Welcome to episode 14 of the InnerWaps podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell, Senior Marketing Executive for InnerWaps. Today is the first of a two-part series. The first part will be focusing on change in culture, and the second part will have a detailed look at changing a business in terms of technology and processes. In order to really break down these subjects, we're joined by Vicky Collier, who is the InnerWaps Global Head of Enterprise Change. Hi, Vicky. How are you? Hi, Chris. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Um, really excited to be here. Thank you for joining us. So as our global head of change, please describe your role and what are some of your key areas of responsibility? OK, so um, I would see myself as an organisational evangelist for um, understanding change as a as a um, methodology, you know, as a practice, what works, what doesn't work and how we can keep innovating. So coming up with new ideas, new and creative ways to help our customers achieve their outcomes. Um, and that's that's an internally facing role. Um, so I'm often working with our change agents and, and other areas of the organisation to make sure that, you know, if we're working on a project with a customer, actually, how can we help them understand the decisions that they need to make as they go on their journey, um, but also how we can help them to achieve their outcomes. Um, so it's not just about which buttons they need to in the system but what do they want to achieve what's their business case objectives and how we help them get there um that means that I actually can't do all of that on my own. Um, so I run a team of change agents who we embed within our customer organisations um, and they on a day-to-day basis helping guide our customers through their journey to the cloud. Sounds good. So as much as you look at change from a, a business perspective, you've been doing a lot of work on culture change within organisations. How are the two similar and how are they different? Uh, well, I think um, I think one is more binary and the other is a little bit more abstract. So, for example, if you're trying to um, if you are looking to introduce a new um, a new way of working within an organisation, effectively, you know, if you look at engagement and adoption, you need to communicate and you need to make sure people understand what they need to do. And everybody out there will know if you're introducing a new system or a new way of working, you you send out some communication so people understand what they need to do and you make sure they're trained in, in how to undertake that process. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's really simple. As long as people turn up and they listen, they know what they need to do. Right. But that doesn't actually um, improve adoption, and that doesn't. Actually actually affect a change in the way people think and their attitudes and so cultural changes is more of an art than a science Um, and actually everybody's different so you can't you can't say hey if I create this training and this training material is awesome that this will affect a a cultural change in an organization you actually have to get under the hood and you need to understand what the root causes of why the cultural behaviors are are occurring um, and then you need to subtly change them you can't change them with a sledgehammer um, because people will push back and rebel what you need to do is find subtle ways of changing it from a top-down perspective and a bottom-up perspective so you need the leadership team to be living and breathing the new the new culture um, but you also need to convince people to change their mindset um, and unless you already have a culture of growth and of open-mindedness that can be very difficult so many companies uh, they've shown an interest in changing culture what are some of the common reasons as to why a company would want to change their culture that's the first part of the question secondly whose responsibility is it to do so uh, so I think in terms of cultural changes, there um, I'll maybe try and, and sort of leave this at maybe two or three examples because there are, there are so many. Yeah, but two, two or three. Times. You can you can often have uh, a startup organisation who have been very entrepreneurial, very f- sort of free spirited, you know, open to taking risks and creative because you know they can see opportunities and they want to grow that you know grow that business very quickly and very rapidly. Mm-hmm. But then over time, um, and you know they could be really. Um, 
uh, sort of reactive and make decisions sort of on the hoof when they're, when they're out with their customers and say, yes, absolutely, we can do that. But over time, as they grow, you'll find that then they need to start to transition towards a more corporate culture where they need to understand risk. They may have secured more investors. So they need to be able to demonstrate more, more confidence in the marketplace. Um, and so they need to start to change sort of from a bottom-up perspective. So put more protocols in place, put more checks and controls in place. And that's a real cultural mind sh- mindset change. Um, uh, another example may be um, that actually, you know, you might find that in a bigger corporation where, whereby you know, that, that organisation has been around for 10 or 15 years, it's got its processes embedded, but it's like a big tanker. It can't turn agilely enough, <laughs> get my words out, it cannot turn agilely enough to, um, to actually change with market forces, um, a bit like Blockbuster. You know, Blockbuster needed a huge cultural change right. in, order to, um, uh, in order to keep up with organisations such as Netflix. Good example. Um, and uh, you know, if they'd maybe came, come to us uh, a little bit, <laughs> maybe a few months before they went under, we could have helped them. So, what are some of the challenges that businesses and organisations can encounter when going through a culture change project? I think, um, I mean, there are lots of lots of challenges. Not understanding the people, not understanding the root cause. But I'm going to go, I'm going to pick two, which are maybe a little bit left field. So I'm going to say that organisations aren't patient enough. Mm. Um, and to actually affect, you cannot affect a culture change quickly. It's it's a habit, it's a routine, it's a way of thinking, it's a mindset. Um, and cultures grow over, you know, de- decades and centuries. If you think of the cultures and the, her- you know, whenever you think of culture, you think of heritage. Um, and, and what's the history behind it, you know, the roots and, and all the stories that create who you are. And that's the same within organisations. So you can't expect to send out an email or a video or a message and then be like, hey, everyone, we're going to think a different way today. It just doesn't happen because a culture isn't just one organization's culture. It's a lot of subcultures within teams Mm. and all of that blends together. Um, And so I think that the main thing I find I struggle when when I'm sort of encountering working with organizations on strategic changes, they think it's binary. They think, hey, if we do A, B and C, then X, Y or Z will happen. And it doesn't. It's more of an art. You need to take time and you need to reinforce it over time and actually slowly sort of make that culture change um I think of it a little bit like you know if you think of if you think of um, sort of trends and, and, and waves and you look at social media you know often you'll find that you start seeing sort of six months ago or 12 months ago a lot of memes online around being kind to each other and then all of a sudden 12 months later do you know what everyone's all kind and you know they're looking at how can we help each other right. so that didn't happen overnight so you know that was spread six or 12 months ago and it took that long to embed in our mindset a big part of your culture change initiative focuses on growth can you describe what growth is in your own words so first part would be to describe what growth is versus what it is we see okay so if we take that from a from a corporate perspective and and actually in apps we're going through this ourselves so um we are growing at a phenomenal rate at the moment um and actually that's awesome and, and it's good and it's exciting but that also puts a lot of pressure on our people um so what you might see you know within in apps is on an outward basis, you might find that there are people who appear to be um, sort of frustrated with each other because maybe you know they're so passionate about their own project, and they, and and that's awesome because you know if you're a project manager or a consultant working with one of our customers, we want you to be fighting their corner and, and doing everything you can to make their project successful. Um, and and so actually, when when maybe we start saying to a project manager, hey, can we borrow that resource for a couple of days because we we need to run an event or you know we've got another customer who's got a problem that we want to solve, and, and we get a bit of push 
pushback from that PM, we may be like, well, Fred's really grumpy this week. But actually what we don't understand is, is that Fred is being pulled in seven different directions because it's not just you putting that request on him. There are other people putting those requests on him and he's trying to keep our customers happy and keep everybody happy. Um, I think there may also be an element of sort of different perspectives. So, you know, um, often as a manager, we feel, or as a, as I say, man, I actually don't like the word manager. I think we should be leaders. Um, but as a leader in an organization, leading a team, um, then you might find that, you know, you're coming in and you're trying to get your team really excited because do you know what? We've cr created a new product set or a new service and actually there's something amazing you can learn. And in five years time, it's going to be awesome for your CV. Um, and then we get confused when these, you know, the people in our team aren't as excited as we are or they're not seeing the opportunities. Um, and what we don't understand is, is that actually, do you know what, maybe it's a time when they've just signed up for a marathon and actually they want to go home each evening to train for that marathon. Um, they still want to do their job well, but, you know, there's, there's different priorities. And then they're sitting there thinking, you know, how, how do they meet all of their objectives when they're getting pressure from work to grow, but they're also trying to grow in their personal life as well. So you mentioned Fred before, yeah. and even though Fred is an imaginary employee, I would assume there's a few Freds out there. We have lots of Freds. What does Fred need to do in order to grow within a company that's going through culture change? Okay, so I am a firm believer um, in that the, the person who is responsible for your life and your decisions and your mindset is, is you. Um, uh, but what I will do is I'll, I'm actually going to flip that question on its head a little bit because I actually think that um, uh, if you give the analogy of, of a plant seed, you know, if you take a chrysan you know, two chrysanthemums and you put one chrysanthemum in the right environment and it will grow beautifully, if you put another chrysanthemum in the wrong environment where it hasn't got the right level of light, the right level of um, water, it's not going to grow. Um, so I think the thing I'm going to start off with is actually what an organisation needs to give um, its employees to give them the right environment to grow and the right environment to take responsibility for their own mindset and growth. Um, and I'm going to link it back to, um, uh, this would be great if we had some imagery here, So, uh, but maybe maybe we'll link this podcast to an image, but I'm going to link it back to um, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you think about the different levels, there are five levels. Um, so one starts off with the physiological and from Maslow's perspective, that's food, water, sleep, the basics mm. you need to survive. Basics, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you think about that from a company perspective a company's got to provide you with pay and rations yeah um, the second in Maslow's hierarchy is the um, safety so actually you need you know a safe place to live free of threat you don't need to be feeling anxious every single day um, and so actually the organization that you work for needs to provide you with safe working conditions you cannot feel threatened when you come into a workplace yeah mm -hmm. it has to be a nice environment to work the next is your social. Now, well, humans are absolutely social creatures. Um, we see each other, you know, a lot of our own sense of self-worth is through the mirror and the reflection of the people around us. So you need to have good working relationships. You need to have a team that you feel has got your back and you need to, um, you know, be able to network with people who help your sort of professional acumen effectively. Um, and then the next one is actually self-esteem. Um, so, you know, from Maslow's perspective, that's being able to have self-respect um, and a status within your environment. So, you know, if I know that I am an awesome piano player I'll be so proud of that and I'll get recognition for that um, but the same applies when you're in a workplace nobody comes to work because they want to do a mediocre job they come to work because they want to excel um, and actually you know whether you are um, a project manager uh, a HCM functional consultant or a change manager or you're the chief financial officer you want to be proud of what you do yeah 
and you want to work for an organisation that you can be proud of. Um, and then the, the, the final part, which is my favourite part, is if all of those other layers are met, that's when you can actually self-actualise, so you can become the best person that it's possible for you to be. Um, and that's where you can actually excel um, and actually bring you know bring the organisation with you. Inamups, we're a people organisation. We provide services, and it's the people that provide those services. So if we have people who are excelling, that means that we'll excel as a company. Um, and I think that then links back to then, so as long as Inamups has provided those bottom four layers, Players, that's when each individual needs to take responsibility for their own mindset and their own actions and use all of that to their best advantage. So in previous discussions, you've mentioned the change triangle. What is the change triangle? And can you give me one or two really basic top level examples of how it affects someone like me? Okay, so... A change triangle is a really um, uh, commonly used tool within psychotherapy. Um, so people who come into an organ uh, who come into an organisation. So people who may, who may be experiencing challenges in their life where they're they're not able, to, you know, they've got a blocker and they're not able to get past that blocker. Often when they're working with a therapist, the therapist will teach them to use the change triangle to understand how their core raw emotions are affecting their behaviour. Mm. And we often it sounds simple. Hey, I feel angry, but often people don't know they feel angry. They they right. may feel something else. Um, and and this is where you know, everyone talks about, hey, that's a defence mechanism. I act that way because it's a defence mechanism because I don't really want to feel what I'm feeling. Um, so uh, there are, effectively, it says that there are um, some core emotions that we all feel. Um, so uh, and, and it doesn't matter what we label them as, but it's basically fear, anger, grief, joy, excitement, disgust, and wait for the giggles, sexual excitement. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we always, you know, those are core emotions that actually we should feel um, no matter whether at work or at home they're going to come we're going to come across them every day and we need to learn how to deal with them but when we're very young um, society teaches us what's acceptable and what isn't so despite the fact that we're all feeling those emotions society puts inhibitors on us so because it's not okay to have a tantrum in the supermarket mm. so it doesn't matter that I'm feeling angry or that I'm feeling fear and that's resulting in a tantrum my parents and society will teach me to hide that because I'll get a negative response when I display that yeah or if I get too excited and I'm quite an excitable person but if I get too excited because hey do you know what we're going to the theatre tonight and I'm so excited and I can't stop talking about it my colleagues may try and get me to tone it down because they're trying to concentrate on work and I'm like okay I know I can't act that way so all of my emotions get kind of confused and you don't know how to display them um, and, and effectively you create defense mechanisms so a really good one um, might be that if you are feeling um, fear over a new task so, so so basically there's a new activity I've never done it before within the workplace I need to go and present on it um, and you know what I'm feeling fearful yeah I, I'm afraid of that um, basically because I don't want to feel fear or I'm taught not to feel fear I have a, an inhibitory emotion which would be anxiety so we all feel anxiety yeah. so when yeah. we were primitive we'd have that fight or flight response um, we don't have that so much anymore but what we have is like almost a constant state of anxiety does that person like me? Did I offend them? Am I going to get the sack? Did I do a good enough job? Oh my God, can I cope with all of this? Um, so what effectively you have is you kind of like, I might be worried that I can't achieve something, but I go through like a cycle of emotion around anxiety, shame, fear, guilt, because I don't feel like I'm good enough. Um, but effectively that might display itself as a defense mechanism as procrastination. So 
Um, I may not, uh, you know, I may have a deadline to complete that presentation a week before I'm meant to give it. So I've got time to practice and I can do dry runs with colleagues and they can give me feedback and we can change it. Because I'm so worried that I'm going to be exposed, I don't do it. I do something else. I do a different job and I'm focusing on something and I'm distracting myself. Yeah. So I've just worked the change triangle in reverse. But effectively, someone will be procrastinating and not quite know why they're procrastinating. And if you can get to the root cause of it, it's easy for them to take a deep breath and be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And then they can deal with it and say, do you know what? It's not that scary. I can get some help. So before we close, you you also have uh, you have this real big focus on being kind to yourself. What does this mean and how can we do so in relation to changing culture? Uh, so I think um, from from my perspective, and, and I'll try, if we've got time, I'll try and give an example. In fact, I will give the example. We have time. So um, the other morning, um, I had a 5 a.m. call with uh, because there was a customer in another country. So mm-hmm. I did that call, helped a colleague out. I then um, finished that call just before my kids woke up, got my kids ready for school, took them to school, to the breakfast club. I then got on a train to go to a customer who I was going to be in workshops with from 10 o'clock all day. I got the wrong train. <laughs> so I'm now sitting there realizing this isn't where I'm meant to be. Okay. What do I do? <laughs> so I got a taxi, and all the time in the taxi, I'm feeling anxiety because I know I'm going to be late. I'm only going to be 10 minutes late, but I feel that's unprofessional. I feel I should be there early. Yeah. Um, and I am berating myself. I am sitting there thinking, how do I let this happen? I'm better than this. Oh my God, I'm letting the customers down. I'm letting InnoApps down. I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to look like I can't manage it all. Do you know what? I actually ended up telling myself to get a grip because I then sat there and thought, let's not focus on that one thing I haven't done, right? Let's focus on everything else I've done so far. You had got up at 5 a.m. (laughs) Right? Need some credit. Everything else I'd done (laughs) so far that day and everything else I was going to achieve for the rest of the day. And, you know, know, that 10 minutes, uh, the amount of of angst I gave myself over 10 minutes that no one cared about. Yeah. So be kind. Don't be too hard on yourself. Um, uh, but so that's a that's a good example there. But I think I've got I've got four statements. Um, and one is be impeccable with your word. So, you know, um, only say say things that you mean. Don't make throwaway comments because sometimes they can hurt others and that can have an, you know, a circular effect. Don't take anything personally. So understand that actually, you know, I, I may not on that day, I may not have sat down and had a 10 minute chat when I walked in the door with someone who needed, you know, who needed my time because I was so stressed about being late. Well, do you know what? So there'll be times when people are like that with you because they've got other things going on with their life. Don't take how they act to you personally. It's more a representation of them than it is yourself. Um, don't make assumptions. So sometimes um, I think you can save yourself a lot of confusion, a lot of extra work by just asking the right questions. But I think often we don't want to bother people or we think we should know, um, but actually communicate and challenge and ask questions so everyone's on the right page. Um, and then the last thing is to always try to do your best. Um, but your best isn't going to be the same every day. Yeah, there'll be days when actually you haven't slept, you've got a headache, you're overworked. Do the best that you can do on that day. Um, so, you know, always try and hit your standards, but understand that your standards may vary depending on what's happening in your life. Awesome. Vicky, it's been such a pleasure Thank to you. speak with you. Before we wrap up this interview, could you let our listeners know where they can find you on social media? Oh, okay. So um, and that can be your Twitter or your LinkedIn. Okay. Well, if you want to see me, I thought I was going to get loads of Facebook friends now. <laughs> <laughs> Right. If you want to see me, you can see me on LinkedIn. Uh, um, I'm on there as Victoria Bianca Collier. 
And for our listeners, remember you can subscribe to the InnoApps podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Press the subscribe button and every episode will be downloaded to your device automatically. If you've enjoyed this episode or you enjoy any of our previous episodes, please leave a rating or a review. More ratings and reviews will mean we'll have better positioning on your favorite platform. Until next time, thanks for listening.